Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, what if I'm Alex? I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about episode five of What If, which is titled, What If Zombies? Question mark, exclamation point. Very Scooby-Doo feeling to this episode. I think everybody called that out. It's just straight up. They pull off the zombie's head at the end, and it's old man McGucket, and uh, we're all wrapped up nice and neatly. Now that's what we want. That's (laughs) what we want in our Marvel shows, is the nostalgic Mm -hmm. feeling of being four or five years old and watching Scooby-Doo and not believing that it was the only other character in the show besides the (laughs) Scooby team. Those mysteries were hard. They were like uh, trippy and crazy. Now, just to mention here, if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it on Disney+. Plus. Obviously, we're going to spoil it uh, and talk about the episode and everything that went on. And then later in the podcast, we're going to talk about some Marvel news items that broke over the past week. But first, curious to hear what you thought about this one in particular. Obviously, they all sort of stand on their own or not, and that's something we've been discussing Ooh. very heavily with the podcast. But what was your take on this? How did this strike you? Um, it, I, the the tone I think was a little weird to me. Like mm-hmm. it felt like it was something where it was like, "Oh, you are going to be surprised at how scary this is." And then they sort of played it for like it being goofy, like a joke, sort of a joke that they were even doing this. And then uh, you know we lost some some characters. We had some twists and turns. Um, and then uh, the end, I was like, what? <laughs> There's got to be. No. And, that, and I think this episode points very hard to something we've speculated that this is all going to sort of uh, amount to something. And these aren't truly standalone stories. Yeah, I agree with you on that ending there. And I, I do want to talk about some of my frustrations with about with the show, which I, I think we've talked about before on the podcast. Overall, really enjoyed this episode. I think I'm the opposite of you because going into the episode, the one thing I was concerned about was that maybe they weren't going to capture the humor of the comic books. For those who don't know, the original Marvel Zombies comic books were by Robert Kirkman, and they were dark, they were gross, but they were also very funny and were a little bit of a goof. There were things like... I don't think specifically it was Ant-Man's head being carted around, but I do believe at some point somebody's head was in one of those Futurama-style jars in the comic book. Yeah, Deadpool, I think, right? That's right. Wasn't wasn't he just—he was sort of a big character, I feel like, throughout all the Marvel Zombies books, was Deadpool being this, like, quipster um, Mm -hmm. as someone is dealing with the actual stakes of all the horror happening. So I think that's what they were going for here, and I was pleased to see that, but— 
the fact that they tried to have poignant emotional moments at the same time led to a weird juxtaposition of tones for the episode that I'm not 100% sure worked. I think moment by moment, if you look at it, there were a lot of nice things. Hope asking Peter to smile was a very sweet, sad moment. A lot of the stuff with Peter Parker was good. But it also, in the middle of all that, having this action, having this gross stuff, it felt like a whole miniseries jammed into an episode, particularly when we got towards the end with the vision stuff where he was like, yeah, I'm working on a cure. No, actually I'm feeding people to Wanda. You know what? I feel bad about that. And I'm going to sacrifice myself and give you the bide stone. The end, which was like, yeah. I don't know, an hour long episode jabbed into five minutes or something like that. Yeah. The different switches back and forth, especially pinned on a character whose whole thing is being like cold and calculated. I was like, mm-hmm. this guy's like a 20 year old in his dorm room, not knowing whether to go to the party or not. <laughs> And it's like, why is the Visions not understanding the sitch? Now, just to jump back to the beginning, though, one thing that I do think is interesting that we've seen pop up twice now in five episodes is things hinging on the Ant-Man side of the universe, which is kind of fascinating and weird. Yeah, well, let me I, – I, I don't want to be the complaining the whole time, but here's yeah. some, here are a couple things. One, yes, it's very strange how much between this and the episode was it two ago where it was all Ant uh, Ant Man and specifically Hope Van Dyne based. Does feel like either a weird coincidence or they're trying to be like, hey, go watch Ant Man. It's like go play with your little brother. Your little brother's important, and you're not taking your little brother serious. Ant Man's a little brother here, and you have to take Hope Van Dyne's arc seriously because if she messed it up, you got two broken Earths. And is that what you want? Is that what you want, kids? Uh, So I do think that's weird, like you're pointing out. And overall, just to get the complainy parts out, and then we can talk about the stuff that was actually good about the episode. I know this is something that you and I have disagreed about quite a bit on various podcasts. But this is, in my mind, now five episodes in, what if is the least new viewer-friendly Marvel thing that they've done maybe ever, like including the movies, yeah. including the TV shows. I'm a Marvel fan. I'm enjoying it. I could, you know, call on all the MCU continuity. So I know what's happening at the beginning of like, oh, you're riffing on Infinity War. Oh, you're riffing on Endgame. I get all of these things that are happening. I know the continuity of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I've watched it several times, but I don't know you're that so I'm proud of that. You're so proud of knowing the continuity of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So you talk about. I bought that shirt that says, I know the continuity of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ask me any questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your permanent tour guide to the MCU. Uh, so far, nobody has taken me up on it, but I'm going to keep wearing it until that shirt literally wears out. Maybe everybody already knows. Maybe, maybe. everybody knows the continuity, well, Alex. But this is not a show that I would very easily recommend to casual or non-Marvel fans versus Loki versus WandaVision. Even WandaVision is like very heavy into continuity, but it does the very typical Marvel thing of filling you in. And granted, there's a nice recap sequence here where we get Peter Parker is filming a video and he introduces all the major characters. But there's still a lot of stuff in this episode that feels like, yeah, but you watch all the movies, right? You know what's going on. So we're just going to skip past that part. Yeah. Um, and that's another sort of thing that is starting to bother me a little bit. Um, the the way that they really are picking up on a very on hyper-specific moments from the, the movies. And I guess that they want to be like, okay, see this? This is the thing that was normal that you know from the movies. And now we're going to deviate from that. 
But I, I think they, they're not trusting us as audiences to know these characters. We don't have to be so uh, like stuck on the, the specific plot lines, even scene dynamics of like the moment when Hulk crashes into Doctor Strange's place. I was like, we are cool enough to just start this <laughs> with characters that we know in New York or wherever you want to. Um, but instead, they, it, it's a little winky in a way that I'm like, OK, like we all know this. You don't need to um, mm-hmm. sort of be. Remember, we were all here before. I do and think then I do think it's important to show that divergence point. You know, uh, I understand what you're saying. I also felt that I was like, OK, when are we going to get to the different thing? Bring on the zombies. We know what the name of the episode is. But at yeah. the same point versus the third episode, like we were talking about, the one where all the Avengers died because of Hank Pym, they played it way too subtly with the change with Hope potentially, we still don't know exactly, but with Hope going to Odessa and getting killed by the Winter Soldier instead of Black Widow, they really underplayed that, and it would have been helpful to at least show that towards the end if they didn't want to reveal the mystery. Here, setting up and showing us, okay, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm forgetting what her actual name. Janet Fed died. Janet. Oh, right. Classic comic you, book the character. One, Jan- yes, I know. What that. Do you know? <laughs> uh, Fed died answer. contracting a quantum virus and coming back and showing us that. Like, I think that's helpful, and that happens pretty quickly at the beginning of the episode. So I understand what you're saying, but I do think they get past that quickly. But then past that point, yes, this is an episode that has big divergences in terms of the actual plot of things that happen before it does loop back to you had to have watched Infinity War to understand what is happening in that last shot there. Otherwise, it's going to be a big hole. Yeah. Well, and I I do think like when you're dealing with like the MCU specific scenes that we're showing to then um, divert from for this and also something that we know super well, which is any zombie story. It's just two like things we know super well Mm -hmm. together Without having, it's like you love vanilla. Well, have you tried um, extra vanilla? And they're like, "Look, we mixed them, pretty good, huh?" And you're like, "Yeah, I know, I know. I they just like vanilla the whole the whole time." And I, I feel like I've been super negative because some things I did like, like I like the characters they select for this. Mm-hmm. Like our squad for this episode is uh, Sharon Carter, Spider Man, Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange's Cape, one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Love KP. Love KP. Um, Hulk, uh, Koyo. Uh, Hope, Happy Hogan, um, a random guy named Kurt. Like, we get all the faves here, um, but it's a fun mix. And when you get into the Spider-Man um, scene where he's, like, introducing the rules and all that, I thought that was really fun. But like we talked about, my that was when I was like, oh, there are, there are chocolate chips mixed in with this vanilla. And they were like, well, yes. But the chocolate <laughs> chips are specific chocolate chips that you had once a very long time. I was like, oh, that's less fun than now. But the fun was there. The fun was there. This was, and maybe this is the thing that's bothering me a little bit because I feel like the MCU works best when it's like, forgets about the comic books. Like it picks and chooses things. I know you haven't seen Shang-Chi yet, but Shang-Chi is a great example of that where they took, okay, Shang-Chi, he does martial arts. He has an evil dad. He has a kind of evil sister sometimes, but not really. The end. Let's just kind of run with it from there, you know? And I think that's good. Like pick the elements that work and run with it. This 
feels like a animated version of a what if comic book, which is probably great for some people and awesome. But that's not necessarily what I want out of the MCU. I want to see things that are fresh and exciting. And granted, I'm coming from the jaded perspective of somebody who's been reading comics for decades at this point in their entire life. So this is probably for MCU folks. They probably never experienced this before. Like if your first experience with a comic was Iron Man not the comic book, but the movie, the movie. and you've kind of gone from there. Maybe this is like, wow, this is great. We get to see all these characters together, but you and I have read this a million times. So short version, we're jaded assholes. <laughs> that is the short version mm-hmm. of this whole podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, like to, to treat this episode of television, like it's the first thing that someone is watching, gets you into a whole other bunch of like storytelling issues it's like oh you're relying on a bunch of uh, people's information that they already have but people have very different information very different sort of entry points into all this um so it is a little tricky to sort of get that right um and they i think they get it right in flashes uh, Mm -hmm. here yeah i agree so let's talk about some of those flashes one thing it's very funny to me that pete our third co-host is not here today because I'd love to get his feedback. I, I'm sure he would have gone through so many emotions with this episode, not least of which the fact that Chadwick Boseman is back as Black Panther again, which I yeah. completely was not expecting. But also that we get John Favreau as Happy Hogan. He loves Happy Hogan. Get some great yeah. happy moments, and then Happy dies. So I don't, I don't even know what Pete would be going through with this episode. To be honest, let me just say, no matter what it is, it would have been a lot. <laughs> so wherever he's watching this, I'm sure he's like, what? No. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, I normally, honestly, don't like Happy, and I feel free saying that because Pete is here. This was very fun. The bits were very good. The blab blab thing was very fun. The sad yeah. zombie blam going blam. Fun bit. I laughed. Fun. I agree. Um, and. John Favreau is such a distinct voice. It's fun to just hear him doing it. In in the movies, Happy is usually doing some business or like being very specific. And this was like sort of like uh, Favreau and Happy just like getting to hang out. It's like hanging out with an old pal. Exactly. What did you think about the other voices? A lot of it hinged on Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Hulk. Fine. He does the th- good. he does what he needs to do. That's good. That's his voice. Yeah, that it was his Hulk. voice. Uh, Sebastian talking. Stan. Better than the first episode, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, he has had four episodes to practice doing voiceover, and he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, they did it in real time, right? Yeah, definitely. They didn't, they did. they didn't do Every it at home on their phone. <laughs> Every half an hour, they started a new episode. It's like yeah. a live staged reading. Like in, uh, oh, that would be great. I would love to see What If Live or What If the Musical. That would be very fun. The What If song where they're like, what if what what if if what is happening you don't know comfort out it's what if it's sort of jazzy yeah that's pretty good i like that lay down that track and we'll loop back later with some notes oh real quick note alex next time i start doing that just stop me (laughs) (laughs) you're like no just run through some of the other voices that you know paul bettany as we mentioned the vision evangeline Lilly does in fact do hope and die in the wasp paul rudd came in as scott lang ant-man um, which I was kind of surprised about for some reason. I don't know why I thought he'd be too busy, but I don't know. He was back, so it's all good. Danae Guerrero hey. again coming back as a Koye, uh, yeah. which also very surprising. Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. Uh, David Delsmalchian as Kurt, the Baba Yaga guy. Uh, 
I really liked, this was not Tom Holland as Peter Parker Spider-Man. It was this guy, Hudson Thames. And I thought he was really good. His Tom Holland voice yeah. was perfect. And it was a good, like, you know, you didn't get caught, caught up on, is that Tom Holland or isn't it? It was like pretty close. And it was like, ah, he's doing a good job. Let's just go. Yeah. Versus Josh Keaton, who is doing Steve Rogers' voice. He's only popped up, I think, once before on the show. I think he needed Young Steve or Skinny Steve is what they called him in the first episode as well. Mm. And he's like, there's a there's a degree that his voice is off from Chris Evans. He's doing a real good job of it. But it's enough that I'm like, nah, that's not Chris. That's not Chris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a fine line. It's a hard yeah. hard thing to, to choose. What about other moments in the episode? Are there any particular sequences, fights, anything like that that you thought were good? Um, I thought the uh, Okoyo fighting stuff um, sort of in the middle was really cool. Um, the Sharon fighting uh, Cap and losing and then uh, Bucky coming in and fighting him. I thought that was cool. And sort of they did a good job of having quick, interesting, intense fight scenes. Since there was so much happening in this episode, there wasn't much time to really get into a big sequence like there were in the other episodes. And the episodes seem to be built around the reveals of like, look, it's the character, you know, with a zombie face. Mm-hmm. And some of those were cool. I like the way they just added extra drippy skin in the bits. Cause when you become a zombie, your skin yeah. gets really drippy. And what do you think in general about zombies like this? Like they're zombies, their skin is falling off, but they still have their powers. They still move at their regular speed. Where do you fall on the fast zombie versus slow zombie debate? Um, I don't think you could do this without having the zombies be powered up and sort of at the speed they're at. And having these zombies have sometimes in the comics, I guess we don't get it too much here, a little bit of like, what? My past is here. Or like some sort of flickers of recognition. Um, And I I think that's good. I think they it lets us have the fun without having to deal with a lot of the uh, sort of zombie rules like they, it's the handle like peter parker does like here's some fun rules about this episode and then you see them and it's it that's it yeah overall i know we were very negative at the beginning here i continue to have fun watching this show it's just something that i have concerns about i don't think it's going to negatively affect the mcu i think they'll be all right wow. marvel's going to be okay and i'm going to keep watching show the show a, but it shows like a zombie bite to the whole mcu yeah, and it may slowly turn it turn it into that's a, it. a what if it's the turning point? One hundred percent. Actually, zero percent. I don't think it's going to affect anything. No. Anyway. and I, I do think it's like just ch- changing your expectations about this show. This mm-hmm. show isn't going to be like huge epic changes to things. It's like a fun uh, romp, you know. Totally, it's like. Early 19th century French theater. I think we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, please, no further explanation on that. Instead, why don't we turn it over to our vision board? Now, we've touched a little bit on this episode and our speculation that potentially this is going to pay off down the road. I do think we're going to have some sort of Guardians of the Multiverse type situation with a bunch of the heroes from different episodes banding together to fight the Marvel zombies. I think probably Marvel zombie Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet or something like that. Mm I mean, I, I would almost say gotta be. Yeah. Gotta yeah, be that. I, I think that's probably what we're heading towards, and that's going to be the moment that the Watcher actually steps in and is like, eh, I got to do something about this before the entire thing gets turned into zombies. That's no fun to watch. Uh, and uh, yeah. that's the moment that we realize the Watcher is not an executive at AMC. No, I think AMC. <laughs> yeah. 
who loves watching zombie stuff and thinks zombie stuff should take over everything that everybody watches. It's a Walking Dead joke. Uh, it was a little complicated. I, no, I got you. I got yeah, you now. It made more um, sense in I, my head. And for a second, I thought you meant AMC the movie chain. I was like, yeah. huh, okay. <laughs> I always, I, I actually, side. I used to write for the AMC TV website and still to this day, I'm yes. like, oh, I used to write for AMC, the TV station, not the movie theater chain every single time because it's confusing. Yeah. No, you got to say because yes. people, it changes their expectations of what you're going about to say. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk instead, since we have touched on that a bit, on some news items from the MCU that broke over the past week or so. The first one, Shang-Chi, huge hit, crushed the Labor Day record with $94.4 million. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the live show while you weren't here, but the idea of... I think this is a Marvel exception. This is not like the box office is back, movies are back. It's Marvel continues to be the exception that proves the rule in my mind. What's your take on it, Justin? Yeah, I agree. And I think all of Marvel will take sort of make some smart choices out of this. They won't continue to postpone their movies as much and they'll be able to sort of continue with their plans uh, as they do. Other movies will also take will take the wrong lesson from this and be like, look, movies are back. Let's do this and put their movie out and never be like, no one went to see that one. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. <laughs> you made a mistake by releasing that. Yeah. Um, I do wish I do wish they would still do the hybrid releases because I think there's a lot of benefit to that, particularly as Delta cases are rising and COVID deaths and cases are rising throughout the country and the world. So I do wish they would be thinking about people's safety more than their bottom line. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, I think it's going to be the exception. Uh, people are going to go see Eternals when it's in theaters. They're not necessarily going to see all the stuff in between. Yeah. Um, I think so. And it'll be interesting to find which movies it's, we have a much cleaner barometer of what people want to see now because the bar of going out to the movies is so much higher. So you could see very distinctly people like Marvel movies and like, do people like James Bond movies? Wait till October because you're going to know <laughs> right when that happens. Well, that's a good segue to talk about something that happened as a direct uh, result of Shang-Chi's box office is Sony made the decision to not delay Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a.k.a. Venom 2, until next year, as a lot of people speculated was going to happen, but in fact, move it up two weeks. So instead of debuting on October yeah. 15th, it's going to debut on October 1st. Now, this isn't strictly an MCU title, other than potentially Tom Holland is going to get sucked into the Venomverse at some point, because that's what Sony oh, does, yeah. but it's still a Marvel title. So what do you think, uh, apropos of the discussion we're just having, do you think Sony is making the right decision here? Does that count under the Marvel exception? role or is it going to go the other way well i will say i would say no i think this probably won't do as well but i we've come out anti-venom once or twice before like this movie who's gonna go see this the, the sony spider-man movies had so many problems it wasn't until marvel came in they start to work and then venom was a huge success uh, and venom 2 like the trailers are fun this movie does feel a bit like the what if episode we were talking about mm -hmm. where the tone is like it's like <laughs> this is serious this guy's a monster and also he's fun and he wants to pretend to eat the local um bodega owner so like 
but it seems to be working. So I got to think I'm going to go against my first instinct and say, I think this will do well. I think yeah. this will draft off um, the Marvel, the MCU success a little bit better than people think. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm right there with you. And I think the regular moviegoer doesn't discriminate between Marvel Studios stuff distributed by Disney versus Marvel stuff that's distributed by Sony or even Fox back in the day or anything like that. They're just looking at the movies like, yeah, Marvel superheroes to the point that people think Batman is in Marvel sometimes. Like the regular movie right. doesn't care. They see superhero and it's kind of all the same thing. So I do think those are going to continue to be the exceptions. Uh, I Again, I wish that Venom was being released not just in theaters, but also digitally, because I'd love to see it. I don't feel uh, a strong urge to go into a theater to watch Venom 2, but I think people will in general. Yeah. And what do you think it is about Venom that really draws people in outside of the stuff you just mentioned? Um, is it because I think Venom is one of those characters that both in the uh, the Marvel universe and uh, in the comic universe and the cinematic universe, um, some people are like, I like that guy. Mm-hmm. What is it about? Is it the tongue, the teeth? I think the- it's that extreme 90s flavor. I was. So surprised when I saw the first Venom, I did go to see it in theaters. I wasn't planning on it, but then I heard how wild the movie was. And I was like, all right, I have a couple of hours for you. I'm going to go check it out. There were people there opening weekend dressed up in their Venom T-shirts. They were all ready to go. They had the Venom hats. And I, as a longtime comic book fan even, I was stunned how much people were very specifically fans of Venom, to your point. And I think it is that, like that Todd McFarlane look that he gave him, those big teeth, the long tongue, the uh, goop and saliva dripping from his teeth, the fact that he is going to eat brains and everything. But I think it's also just that the movie was wildly all over the place and very weird, but it did hit all these different things of big action, Tom Hardy just going for it. You know, and that sucked people in and it became one of these things with the first movie where people just said, you got to see this. This is crazy. This is wild. This is such a weird, ridiculous superhero movie. It's not what you're expecting at all. And that gave it incredible legs as it was going. We'll see if the same thing applies to Venom 2. But given you have Woody Harrelson having some insane hair and hamming it up as well, maybe it'll work. Yeah. Woody Harrelson's hair is like Venom's mouth. It's the real defining feature. And I, I just, to your point about Tom Hardy, I think it's like, I think no other actor besides Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool is enjoying their, their superhero turn as much as Tom Hardy playing with. Yeah. Now let's move before we move on from Shang-Chi and the related stuff. Again, I know you didn't see the movie, so mild spoiler here, uh, but little Nas X apparently mm. survived the snap, which is a huge deal in the movie. Shang-Chi and his friend Katie, played by Aquafina, are doing karaoke to Old Town Road, which came out in 2019. I'm reading this off of a post from Legend of Connor on Reddit. Uh, so Little Nox X had to have survived to have made the song, and Little Nox X retweeted that and said, holy shit. So given that Little Nox X, a celebrity, survived the snap and was working during that blip period, what other celebrities do you think survived? Who else was out I mean, there this working? Is- this is a great point, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very curious um, how the MCU will weigh in on what celebrities didn't make the snap. Like, can you imagine a movie where they're like, uh, "Guess what? 
we don't have any music from that artist because Taylor Swift didn't survive the snap. <laughs> You're like, whoa, why would you say that? Oh, my uh, God. Uh, no, so, yeah, good. that to me, hearing the opposite. She would release uh, the snap, Taylor's version. Uh, exactly. And it would be like 15 songs that are like pretty good, like bangers. And mm-hmm. uh, then 15 other ones that are like, you can tell her like sort of the also rants from the first yeah, they're Like, yeah, I'll, if I forget to stop the album, I'll listen to those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, last thing we're going to talk about, this is for upcoming MCU stuff, but Secret Invasion, the Disney Plus series, is reportedly already filming in London, which is pretty exciting. Now, we know that yeah. Hawkeye is coming in November. We know that Miss Marvel is filming, We uh, is filmed, excuse me, we don't know exactly when it's coming out. It was supposed to be end of the year. Now it's looking like maybe it's going to be next year because they haven't announced anything. But they certainly have a lot of stuff coming down the pike, given that Secret Invasion is filming in London. When, wild speculation, when do you think it's going to come out at this point? When are we going to get to watch that show? Filming now, I'm going to throw next summer. Mm-hmm. as the sort of go i i haven't looked at this possible marvel schedule for the, the tv stuff in a while but i feel like that's maybe around when the next hole will be where they want to like sort of ramp up I, I think marvel does a great job of being like hey guess what it's another week where you have marvel stuff don't worry just pay <laughs> yeah. attention it's all you don't need to ever look away from us and i think they're going to want to continue that yeah, I agree. I, it definitely feels like the sort of thing that could be a big, explosive summer show. So I could see that happening. Also, probably should have looked at the Marvel schedule. But I know we got Doctor Strange 2 coming next year. We also got Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, potentially, I could see something where Miss Marvel is feeding directly into the Marvels, and maybe they'd want to keep this away from whenever the Marvels is debuting, just so you don't have two right. very cosmic-y things happening at the same time. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I could see, like, maybe even taking this what-if slot running from August through September or something like that, sort of an end-of-the-summer type thing. Well, and if this if Secret Invasion really is sort of a Nick Fury-focused show, uh, it'll sort of have maybe the the vibe of, uh, Falcon slash Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Like it is like big action sequence. Um, Nick Fury uh, just out there yelling at people and telling stuff <laughs> to happen and not happen. Uh, so like that's some fun energy and will be a nice counterpoint to, like you're saying, the more cosmic stuff and especially the multiverse stuff. I think that yeah. could be almost like, is the multiverse stuff stressing you out from an information standpoint? Well, don't worry. Here's Nick Fury shooting up people who can change shapes. Yeah. Sounds great to me. If you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about What If or the rest of the MCU. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. What? If, what if, what if, what's gonna happen? You don't know. Stick around and find out. It's what if. And cut.